The following podcast is in no way produced, endorsed, or affiliated in any way with the Wikimedia Foundation, and the use of the term Wikipedia is used without permission. Enjoy at your own risk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the debut episode of Wikipedia Brown. My name is Alan Chaikin, and normally I produce classy reality shows and do horrible impressions of Dr. Nick. I think that version was Swedish that I uh, opened the show with. Uh, but I thought I'd take a break from all that to pursue my other passion of learning shit. It's pretty simple. Every episode, I'll pick a subject and read its Wikipedia page and discuss that page with whoever decided they had nothing better to do at that time. So, we are in the midst of a huge comic book summer with the Avengers, the Amazing Spider-Man, and the Dark Knight Rises, all having been released and making bags of money. Also, Comic-Con just happened, and I thought a great start to this podcast would be the subject of Stan Lee, who is probably the most well-known comic book creator that will ever live. Not sure if you guys agree. But joining me today are comedian Grant Party. Hi, Hello. Grant. Hi. How you doing? Good. And Daniel Weiss, uh, actor, improviser, roommate. Aw, uh, thanks. The last one's the hardest. <laughs> but most people uh, feel like Wikipedia isn't necessarily 100% accurate all the time. We on this show don't care about that. I, 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 I think Wikipedia is great. I used to teach school and i and i would go and i would say yeah no wikipedia is great wikipedia is the best place to start and uh you know uh i'm i'm editing his wikipedia page right now so uh hopefully you'll get to the part about how stanley has a weird brown dong well it's people like you that i printed it out uh yeah so ignore those ignore the blue (laughs) ink marks on it then though it's 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 interesting because if you do put that on i wonder how long it takes someone to fix it they're pretty vigilant. They're pretty vigilant, especially well, I, with Stanley. I do like teaching kids that in history, citations may be needed. Well, that's the thing. They do have citations. But I do a lot of research on Wikipedia. A lot of people do. So it's pretty much the encyclopedia of today. Stanley. Stanley Martin Lieber, born December 28th, 1922, which means he will be 90 years old this year. I feel like he's one of those guys that aged to about 70 when he was 50. But then stayed seventy yeah. for the next forty years. He was—he's always been better looking as the old man, like as the friendly uncle. You see pictures of him even on the Wikipedia page. They have uh, pictures of him from like nineteen seventy-five when he was a little younger, and he looks like a—he looks like a you know he look not only does he look like a hustler, he looks like a weird pimp. It looks like he's a guy selling watches and pornography outside a movie theater. Oh, the signed photo, yeah, that's actually pretty funny. But that you kind of like, yeah. Like, oh, hey, it's that creepy guy that always sells us watches and women's <laughs> <Yeah>. underwear. <laughs> it's that uncle that's a little too close sometimes. Yeah. But you still let him take you to a movie. Yeah, because it, he's Stan fucking Lee. Right. And if we're going through his life chronologically then, too, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll get to the point, too, where he – this is uh, – it's nice to see him as an old man as he's kind of got this friendly image and he's just all Excelsior and he's just, you know, this cartoon version of himself – which is great and super lovable uh, and sort of hides the fact that he was this uh, often kind of shady guy here and there for as often as he was also uh, incredibly innovative and, uh, and genius. But uh, speaking of pictures, you should read along at home and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. Unless, of ding? course, Grant changed the picture while we're watching. Yeah. Well, Stanley Martin Lieber, better known as a pen name Stanley is an American comic book writer, editor, actor, producer, publisher, television personality, and the former president and chairman of Marvel Comics. This mm-hmm. is news to me. This, I thought we were honestly talking about a different Stanley. So. Oh, jeez. There was a terrible... If you need to go home, it's... Yeah, I, I, 
There was a terrible Kirk Cameron sitcom that lasted not even a season. And they had a joke like that, that his friend was like, oh, my God, I got Stan Lee to come up and hang out with you. And it was a janitor at his gym named Stan Lee. Oh, that's pretty funny. In collaboration with several artists, most notably Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, he co-created Spider-Man, the Hulk, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Thor, and many other fictional characters and introducing complex naturalistic characters and a thoroughly shared universe into superhero comic books. In addition, he added the first major successful challenge to the industry's censorship organization, the Comics Code Authority, and forced it to reform its policies. Uh, Lee subsequently led the expansion of Marvel Comics from a small division of a publishing house to a large multimedia corporation that we know today. Uh, He was inducted into the comic book industry's Will Eisner Comic Book Hall of Fame in 1994 and the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame in 1995. So that was basically his little summary that's and like the first scene of the first episode of the first season of his TV show that like now go, flashes back into the rest of his life. Exactly. We're, so now we go into his early, early life. And it's funny because um, on this page it has his signature, like his actual signature. So if you want to copy it or forge anything, there it is for you. The funny thing is as we go through this, we're going to start to realize I think Stanley wrote his own Wikipedia page. <laughs> Well, that's the thing about Wikipedia is I think you can look and see who was the last one to update it. At this point, it would say Ham Clown, which uh, hmm. is uh, Grant's uh, one of Grant's Twitter names, but who knows what this is. Okay, Stan Lee was born in the apartment of his Romanian-born Jewish immigrant parents, Celia and Jack Lieber, at the corner of West 98th Street and West End Avenue in Manhattan in case you want to go look at his childhood home, which may or may not be there. His father trained as a dress cutter. Worked only sporadically after the Great Depression, and the family moved further uptown to Fort Washington Avenue in Washington Heights, Manhattan. I don't know anything about New York, so I don't know where any of these places are. Oh, yeah, they're around the corner. Okay, cool. Um, When Lee was nearly nine, his only sibling brother, Larry Lieber, was born. He said in 2006 that as a child, he was influenced by books and movies, particularly those with Errol Flynn playing heroic roles. By the time Lee was in his teens, the family was living in a one-bedroom apartment at 1720 University Avenue in the Bronx. I seriously think that he's just writing this, and he has a journal of all the places he's ever lived. Um, it, it's are, possi- you, are you going to read the whole Wikipedia? Well, that, that's the point. It, we read the Wikipedia page, and then we go off of it. Okay. You know, and and let's, let's get into it, bump man. In, let's get bump, into it. Let's talk about Stan Lee. You like. you know? exactly. let's, 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 uh, let's get some opinions going about Stan Lee. Sum up Stan Lee for me. Probably the best-known comic book creator of all time. He's definitely the best-known. What are your, some of your favorite comic characters, and did he create them? He created some of them, but I, you know, I'm not like necessarily a thoroughly Marvel guy. Yeah. Uh, are you more of a DC guy? I, yeah, I'm more of a DC guy. Okay. But, I mean, I'm, I'm an all-around comic book superhero guy. Yeah. So... I love Stan Lee. Well, we know, as we know, Stan Lee actually did do some DC comics. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I don't know if you can. Are you referring to the uh, Stan Lee did like a series of miniseries or one shots in the 90s? Yeah. Where it was Stan Lee reimagines. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. He he like he was like, well, here's what it would have been like if I did Batman. And he was literally like man bat. He was just like a guy that well, fell I, into a vat of bats. Or I something. also think he might have been African American in that one. I don't remember. I th- and and he changed the name. I forget what the name was, but it Either was way, like something yeah. Wayne. He also did some comics that were, uh, what if Marvel and DC were together, like yeah. the Amalgam Universe. So it was like, uh, 
green iron lan or iron lantern was like Iron Man gets a pa- uh, green lantern's ring. Uh, yeah, I think I think like, you're t- and, I think you're talking about the amalgamation universe. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, yeah, I don't know that that was all. St- it doesn't really matter. Uh, stuff like that, though, I never really like. It's like, eh, you know, DC should yeah, say DC, Marvel should say Marvel. Yeah, that's why I would, I would barely, I would barely count Stanley's work with DC. That was sort of just ceremonial to me. Now, Jack Kirby, on the other hand, did some significant work yeah. with DC. And Jack Kirby's, who I was referring to earlier, when I was saying that Stanley has several asterisks uh, after his name, most notably his treatment of Jack Kirby, uh, according to some sources, and uh, and possibly as well to Ditko. According to Wikipedia? Uh, it's on Wikipedia I as don't well. think it is. I don't know if it's true then. You, so should, the, you know, look up, look up Jack Kirby. Look this up, is look up the, Stan Lee. This is, so what you're saying is he uh, was the boss, kind of took their stuff? Well, I mean, <clears throat> there's no argument that Jack Kirby left Marvel Comics unhappy. Mm-hmm. Is there? An argument, Daniel? No, not for me. Well, let's see. Let's see I if can't we can. Argue uh, with truth. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it says exactly on Wikipedia, but the way that they created comics was crazy because it was just like Stanley and Jack Kirby, right? They would like, uh, all right, here's what's the st- the story's going to be: a boy gets bit by a spider and then he turns into Spider Man and his uncle dies, and then, uh, well, that was Ditko. But you know, the artist would then draw it out, and then he would go back in and fill those. Uh, the word bubbles in, you know, which is it was so it wasn't like the artists were working off of a script. They were co-plotters. Yet Jack Kirby was making like, you know, he was making a fine living, especially at the time. It was only like thirty thousand dollars or something like that. But, it, you know, uh, but nothing compared to what Stan Lee was making gets forced out of there, goes to work for D.C., creates Dark Side and all the fourth world characters. And, uh, you know, I this I'm fuzzy about. I don't, I'm not like a historian on it, but I think I think it even took years after that until Kirby was getting his proper due uh, at Marvel, as opposed to, um, you know, kind of Stan Lee taking all the credit. And Stan Lee's a showman. He's a showman. That's why that's why he's uh, making cameos in all of the Marvel movies. He's a, he's a great public figure. He's a great. Uh, he's the face. He's a great. Of he's a, a great a face. Yeah. He's a lovely face. But there's but it seems like there's also some shadows in his history as well well the fact that we've heard of jack kirby and steve ditko is good for them because that means they've no matter what stanley might have done they still kind of rose i and this is good because uh, i actually I don't know i didn't you, uh, you don't i don't think that's enough if i'm if i'm jack kirby or steve Gitt- ditko you know i mean that's that's uh uh it's like a it's like lennon and mccartney they're they were 50 50 partners and in and in, uh, according to some accounts from, from what i've read just in terms of being a nerd and reading about this stuff on the internet all my life uh you know jack kirby's the real genius there stan mm. lee takes the credit but it's all jack kirby well that's interesting because i actually never really heard that because i'm not you know i don't follow the history of comic books i read them it's as fascinating. a kid it's dark um, it is it's pretty ugly and it's muddy and and that's that it's a good thing you actually brought that up because one rule here and since it's the first episode nobody knows i'm i i am not allowed to look up anybody else what? so so hey it's the rule you just have to rely on the wikipedia stanley that, but that's that the thing. is a crazy rule that's why you're here though because we're gonna get to jack right. kirby and steve ditko and you can be like bullshit bullshit yeah. look this up look this up right and then maybe another episode i'll do that oh, okay. but everybody at home yeah. can be like holy shit let me look this up so you're gonna have I like see. the footnote episode well that's that's what i like about wikipedia it's it, like for instance i watch john adams uh on hbo i'm just bringing this up because it was a bit i just uh, i watched john carter are we doing exactly are we going through that or you looked up the wikipedia page afterwards 
<laughs> no. Exactly. I did. But Wait, I you did. hear things like this, and you're, it's interesting what is said and what is not said. Yeah. I mean, I'm not slandering him. This is this – is, uh, well, the lawsuit that he it's sends you will say differently. Yeah. Well, look, uh, you know, I hate to I hate to <laughs> burst that 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 uh, the the love bubble for Stanley, but uh, but uh, but Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby's the real genius. I feel like among the big uh, comic book fans, they all know who Jack Kirby is. They know what he did. They know that Stanley and Marvel would be nothing without him. However. You go out and you get an average movie fan that watches all the Marvel movies, and they'll tell you who Stan Lee is. They'll mm-hmm. point him out in the movies. They can tell you all about him, and you ask them who Jack Kirby is, and they have no idea. Right. And because do you think that's right? They're no, not oh, not at all. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel that – but That's what he's saying. It's like, yeah, we, we've heard you – know, well, here's he's the not thing. Getting, they're not getting the due that they should have. Right. Well, but here's the thing in all of this you know, with what people have written and said, and I, I don't have an answer to this, but it's – is that because Stan Lee kind of buried Jack Kirby or was it that Stan Lee was more outgoing, I want to be the face, and Jack Kirby was, this is my material, I just want to have it out there. Yeah. I don't think we'll know. I don't think there's an answer to that. There may be, but we can't look that at we any of Wikipedia pages. Right. Well, <laughs> we can later and at home. Uh, so only wait, are you only for the fact that we don't want this to be four hours long. Oh. And I'm ar- and honestly, when it comes to Wikipedia pages, like printed out Stanley's, it's 23 pages. I won't yeah. be going through all the pages. It's a lot of, it's a lot of garbage yeah. on there, too. Exactly. So, uh, so, so some of this, uh, for you people at home, uh, I, I won't be going through everything. Like, I'm going to be skipping his whole school thing here and then just go str- – I'm going to go into his early career now, and we'll see what it says. Right. Uh, and now we can take that based on what you told us. Right. Yeah, but, well, you I, know, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, and I don't I, – neither of us are historians about it. But the information's out there somewhere. The truth is there. Yeah. I didn't. It's on the X Files Wikipedia page. The truth is out there. Yeah, you you saying that you're not showing it all for time or going to other pages? I was hoping that it was going to be like this. The whole point of this podcast is to have you at home get influenced and motivate you to get out there and check Wikipedia yourself. I pretty learn. Much, I pretty the much more did you say know. That, <laughs> Early career, with the help of his uncle Robbie Solomon. He became an assistant in 1939 at the new Timely Comics division of Pulp Magazine and comic book publisher Martin Goodman's company. I haven't heard of uh, that. Timely, by the 1960s, would evolve into Marvel Comics. Lee, whose cousin Jean was Goodman's wife, was formerly hired by Timely editor Joe Simon. I'm not sure why any of that matters. Um, his duties were prosaic at first. In those days, the artist dipped the pen in ink, so I had to make sure the ink wells were filled, Lee recalled in 2009. I went down and got them their lunch. I did proofreading. I erased the pencils from the finished pages for them. Marshall Lee's childhood ambition to, a, to uh, be a writer. A young Stanley Lieber made his comic book debut with the text filler, Captain America Foils a Traitor's Revenge, in Captain America Comics number 3, using the pseudonym Stan Lee. Uh, do you guys read Captain America at all? Yes, sir. Because that's I one did. of the characters that he's kind of like famous for, for writing, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing, though. According to that, I was what I wasn't... So positive about is did he start writing it in Captain America three or was that already his? It's not very specific. Well, it's, no, I think it is very specific. It says Stanley Lieber made his comic book debut with the text filler Captain America foils a traitor's revenge in Captain America comics number three. Right. So that means there was number one and number two before that, right? Correct. But it's not saying that he wrote Captain America one and two. 
I would say this is probably the problem with when when we when we're trying to find facts through Wikipedia, though. I don't I don't totally remember here, but yeah, but but definitely, and that uh, that was when there's still timely comics, right, Captain America? Yes, that was, this was pre Marvel because that's still like yeah, Mar- yeah, they're, they're Marvel. Yeah, they're not Marvel until later. the nearly the 1960s. Yeah, and this was 41. Yeah, and I think maybe that's where him and Kirby met is Captain America. No, it was before that. It was before that. Uh, it says it was at Timely Comics, though. Yeah. Uh, he was working there. Right. And then Stan Lee joined. Yeah. And that's the thing about it, too. And Which is interesting. Well, so go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, maybe it's just for the Wikipedia. Yeah. But they don't even make it like, oh, it was a big thing. And that's when, you know, fate right. came into play. Yeah. And Stan Lee met Jack Kirby. It was yeah. like, uh Jack Kirby was working at the time. Yeah. Also, Stanley. Yeah, they don't create they, don't, they don't, You don't necessarily get the important, like the the magnitude of why that's important there, just based on on that text. Uh, and of course, you know, and and Captain America is like a very, you know, uh, well under their pen, you know, was uh, interesting. I, I haven't read the early ones, um, but that but there's that's Captain America is almost like a dime a dozen superhero around that period. Uh, just sort of like a perfect patriotic fighting Nazis sort of character. It's I think it's later I think when they established the Marvel universe in the '60s with the shared universe and stuff, and then they unfreeze Captain America and they kind of reboot him for the Avengers. That uh, it becomes Captain America that everybody loves. Um, well, one thing that, to add here that that I find interesting is um, they later explain in his autobiography and numerous other sources that he intended to save his given name for more literary work, which obviously never happened. This initial story How also... How do we know that, though? Stanley Lieber novels you, might be out I'm there. I'm pretty sure that there aren't, but... Uh, well, we could check it if we also, go to different I, pages. I, one of the things I do like about Stanley is his whimsicality. I like that he decided to just make his pen name Stanley. Like, Stan Lee. I, I like that. I like, it's, 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 I like that it's silly like that, because that, that's like a... That's a, that's, a, that's a cartoon pseudonym, you know? Well, that's what's great. It's like if you go... Not to go over to DC, but like Edward Nigma. Yeah, Enigma. it's like a. It's, it's, it's a like very that. comic book before. Yeah, before that, that was stuff even a thing. Was even really around, which yeah. was great. Like yeah. you know, Doctor Otto Octavius. Well, yeah. that's one thing that Stanley did, and I'm not sure if it's in this page, but I know is he loves alliteration. Obviously, right. Bruce Banner. Um, uh, Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Well, you know, Bruce Banner is not his actual full name. Well, it. it what's his actual full name? Uh, Doctor Robert. David uh, Robert Bruce David Banner. He's such a bro. That's too many names. Too yeah, many it's names. way too many names. That's why, he's, that's why he's so mad all the time. Yeah, I don't need he's this many in... names. I'll have four names. Yeah. The reason, um, puny that... two name Arr, smash. <laughs> what are some other uh, illiterate? Because the reason he does that is uh, what he said. The reason he does that is so he can actually remember their names because uh, okay. he's very forgetful. Let's see. So well, I mean, Reed but if, Richards, but of course, but of course Reed, Reed Richards, Richards Sue Storm. Betsy Grant, but yeah, it's not like he invented that. I mean, Superman had that from yeah. day yeah. one. But it's funny that I mean, he admits doing that because he's forgetful and wanted to remember the characters' names. Yeah, you it's know, also it's, it's just fanciful. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good when you read it or say it out loud. Yeah, but the one thing I did find interesting about the Captain America thing he did, uh, the number three, is that it uh, is where Captain America first did his uh, ricocheted shield toss, which became a signature. Was in the one that Stanley uh, wrote. Well, I think that's what helped make him who he is because he was always taking things that he didn't know were going to be iconic, but they ended up being iconic. Like, that was a really big thing, and I could still see in my head, and this is the nerd in me, the, like, 
you know, the lines trailing the shield of where it, like, you know, flew and bounced yeah. off rocks and stuff. Um, we're actually going to – I'm saying here we're going to get into some Jack Kirby, finally mentioned. Uh, when Simon and his creative partner, Jack Kirby, left late in 1941 following a dispute with Goodman, the 30-year-old publisher installed Lee, just under 19 years old, as interim editor. The youngster showed a knack for business that led him to remain as a comic book division's editor-in-chief as well as art director for much of that time until 1972 when he would succeed Goodman as publisher. You, you seem to, to want to pipe in there. Yeah, and then and then the next thing on there, too, is then he, he goes and does military service as a playwright. Uh, but, yeah, it's crazy that uh, that it's just sort of by a stroke of luck that he kind of lands into this position that he's a kid. He's a dumb kid. He's 19 years old. At one point, he was getting – right before he started, like, doing his, his greatest work, before he started – before he created the Fantastic Four, which started everything, uh, he was about to quit. He was about to quit the whole thing, and he was, he was tired of it. He wasn't – he was writing all sorts of different genres of comedy – I'm sorry, genres of comic books, uh, and, you know, it wasn't going anywhere. And then it was DC. DC had, had kind of, like, brought back – they were entering into the Silver Age of comic books. Uh, so they were kind of – they were getting out of the thing of, like, just Superman fighting uh, the Nazis and stuff. And they, and they, you know, they had the new version of The Flash, they had the new version of Green Lantern. Batman got the yellow oval, and uh, comic books were entering into this big second wave which is where Marvel really comes into the picture. And, it's, and it happens because Stan Lee's just about to quit. He's just about to quit doing all of it, and it's his wife who says, well, if you're going to quit anyway, if you're going to change careers, if you're going to stop doing this, then you may as well go out with a bang. You may as well just write stuff that interests you. And that's where Marvel started to create the Marvel brand because he started to write these flawed superheroes, which at the time was just, you know, it wasn't happening. Nobody was giving it that much depth. It was just Batman or Superman or The Flash solves this caper of the week. It wasn't, you know, these are somewhat, you know, close to resembling three-dimensional people that Stan Lee started introducing. But it was because he was that close to quitting that he started creating something that uh, amazing. And that's what I love about Marvel, uh, always growing up. And it's my take personally, but it's, the fact that it is real characters. I'm never going to be a billionaire right. like Bruce Wayne. I'm mm -hmm. not an alien, as far as I know, from another planet. I could be a guy uh, on a field trip at school that gets bit by a radioactive spider who you know, goes, has to worry about bills and getting a job. Because that's what I always loved. It's yep. like super – It was the, the big difference to me is DC is superheroes – that have a fake life to cover up where Marvel is people that have a super life yeah. and that's their other thing. And yeah. that's what I've always loved. And I think that's what Stan Lee and what you're probably about to get into. It was about that. Nobody was doing that. Yeah. And this and is real people that become superheroes. And that's really what put them on the face. You're totally right. That's the, and that's always the thing that NDC has always tried to like catch up to that or try and rationalize their way around that. Cause uh, that's that is the, the big fundamental difference. Peter Parker is Peter Parker, who then puts on a mask, but he's still Peter Parker. Whereas Batman and Superman are most comfortable being Batman and Superman, and then yeah. they have to go around being these other people as well. But there's Thor and there's Iron Man, which is basically Superman, and so they have the equivalents. I mean, yeah, Iron yes, Man is do. Bruce Wayne, and those I mean, his, came later. Yes. Yeah, and, and so, you could make a lot of comparisons that there's a lot of copying off of DC established dc superheroes yeah iron man is an eccentric billionaire with a lot of gadgets 
uh, but they humanize them by giving him a drinking a scary problem. scary animal totem, or, you know, it's an insect, but, like, a creepy crawly totem. And it, he's motivated by the death of a relative. Uh, and he's, a, you know, he's a brilliant scientist. Uh, again, these are, but it's because they're all dealing in archetypes. Um, and, and I think certain archetypes are very appealing. And, I, and superheroes deal a lot with that. They, 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 you know, they're mythological. Even when they're more relatable, they're still going for myth and i guess that's the one thing I, I agree with you guys on spider-man is it's one of those things where it's like that could happen to me when you're a kid right you know it's like i could you know what if i'm bit by a radioactive spider i mean you're not from another planet like superman you're not uh, a billionaire like bruce wayne but you could one day just be bit by something radioactive and become a superhero well that's what was always appealing to me when i was younger it's just because i'm not dot 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 now you know, I can right. be later. Yeah. And although Batman is my all-time favorite superhero, I sort of marvelize him in my head. Uh, and other comic book authors have done this to characters like Batman and Superman and, and the DC ones to, like, do that Stan Lee thing to them, which is to make them more relatable. Like, for example, you know, um, uh, you should, you know, at some point you'll maybe perhaps do a whole podcast on Grant Morrison, who's, like, the closest to his the second wave of Stan Lee that we've ever had. And he's done a lot of thoughtful stuff on making, on Peter Parkerizing, Stan Leeizing characters like Batman with his thought process of like, Batman's more relatable to me if you imagine that every Batman story you've ever seen all happened to the same guy. The early Bob Kane stories, the Adam West stuff, the Christian Bale stuff, it's all the same guy. And now suddenly this is a dude that uh, has a sense of, whimsy and he's just this crazy eccentric billionaire he's like howard hughes he's like this weird guy and like that's more relatable because you're right you know that's the coolest thing about marvel comics is anybody could be peter parker and very much my life is peter parker uh which is why i prefer to pretend to be batman in my head (laughs) but also there's a character in marvel i don't know who created him he came later named moon knight which was basically them trying to make a batman and black panther yeah, Black Panther also is very much like a Batman, but Moon, but Moon Knight, Knight especially. But they dealt with what Batman doesn't really dealt with, which is Moon Knight started to go a little power crazy because he was murdering people and started to become like a this crazy millionaire who was that also posing. It's really interesting because yeah. he was also posing as a taxi driver and a homeless man because he wanted to get every facet of the world and it started and he started worshiping this god uh which is where he got his powers from his abilities because he's more he's a billionaire but he has like an agility that he gets from this god but you start to realize an agility or an ability agility like uh enhanced agility uh he it's basically you know captain america in a batman type suit doesn't look anything like batman but it's like more like that but darker but you start to realize as you read is this really some sort of god or is he a schizophrenic man talking right. to a fake statue yeah and I, that's I think, the like humanized version of yeah i always looked at moon knight as basically like elseworlds batman where they were like well we batman's already they're already doing these stories with batman so we're going to take that similar archetype billionaire this thing and and we're going to show the other side of it or we're going to you know show the other possibilities that 
they could never do with Batman. That's always sort of the subtext, which is like, is he crazy? Is he imagining all this? Is the Joker real or is it Alfred, you know, putting on a wig? Like, is this maybe everybody knows Bruce Wayne is Batman Uh, and Moon Knight with the Marvel characters, um, you know, uh, feel more free to explore that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big things. DC, this is a great thing for DC, but also a bit of a. Uh, speed bump is with like Superman and Batman. They became so iconic right away, uh, or that they can't explore with them. You can't. I don't think that's true. Well, I, I but, feel like they're no, they're afraid to for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, whereas I, like he can't be a murderer. Yeah, like everyone right. knows, Batman doesn't intentionally murder people. Batman doesn't use guns, yeah. things like this. So then they had to make yeah. Moon Knight or other people. And that's, and that's people. the whole other thing. That's like a, the, there's the comics code, you know, element into the equation, which which made comic books, you know, really soft and boring. Uh, there's and then the you know the rebellion against the comics code, where they got equally boring but just more bloody. I mean, I think the fact of the matter is that most comic book creators are hacks. I think most comic book creators are complete garbage. Uh, y- you have some huge talent that comes through every now and again, like a Stan Lee, like a Grant Morrison, like I said, like a Jack Kirby for sure. Uh, and then you s- and then you just see a bunch of people chasing their, tra- their, their tails. You just see a bunch of people trying to imitate that stuff. Uh, innovation is rare. I mean, it's hard to... Uh, I- you know, just like with anything uh, fictional nowadays, it's hard to create something new that isn't like something else. Because everything's been done, I would think, in comic books. Well, I feel like that's in life in general. Like, if you look yeah, at for sure. stand-up comedy, everybody is compared to as, oh, he's the new blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is the next. And it's like, how do you... But there's been so many comic mold. book characters and so many comic books right. that it's like, you know, it's hard to have another Jack Kirby, well, Stanley, Grant When Morrison. demand grew so much, everybody started yeah. doing it. And that's when you started to get Image Comics and Top Cow and everybody... Like that's what maybe the closest was, too, is when they created Image because they tried to do different things, like the Max and um, Spawn in a way. But, and they did um, but, most image, but most of the Image Comics are garbage. I enjoyed the Max. Yeah, I mean that you mentioned the Max, and then you and you're, then even that's em- it. you're even embarrassed mentioning Spawn, which you should be. I enjoyed I enjoyed the cartoon on HBO. Yeah, I did you know, too. and I, I do have Spawn number one through six signed by Todd McFarlane, so it's a little place in my heart. Yeah. Well, Spawn fell into the problem that a lot of comic books do, especially Marvel. I think in the '90s, where they shot their wads so quick that it just got so crazy, and now you're bringing in this satan and this devil guy and this guy who you thought was the mayor of the city it was his name yes but it's like and they're all trying so hard to image comics are trying especially it's spawn is like to me the poster child for trying to be like hey man comic books aren't just for kids okay because it's like just trying to be so dark and so edgy and in the end it just sort of sounds like Insane clown posse. Uh, it, it just seems like this. I'll hold my sort comments to my own. On uh, Daniel happens to be a juggalo. Oh, I'm. I'm. I won't get into it. We're not going to get into it. Everything's making so much sense. There right will now. be a fight. We were. Is we're it? not going to get into it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I'm no, just, but, uh, just real quick, I wanted to say. Uh, and now I lost what I wanted to say. Must but, have been great. Oh, but well, we were talking about innovation. Uh, no, it's what you're just saying about. Uh, Spawn. Right Don't worry, I'll cut this 20 policy. seconds of dead Good. air out. I'm glad you do. 
Well, but it was a thoughtful 20 seconds. Yeah. We yeah, were thinking. It was very insightful. I'm going to move yeah. on if that's okay with you. Uh, okay, I'm going to say. Oh, no, this is what I was going to say oh, real Jesus quick. Christ. Sorry. What you were saying about they realize that uh, comics aren't just for kids is the problem because comics yeah. are for kids. Yeah. Whether you're an adult or not, it's for the kid inside of you. No, that's it's for the part of you that you always. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, you know, I know this is horrible for podcasts, but don't look at me with that. <laughs> I'm not looking at you anyway. Ellen. I agree with you. I think one of the worst things about comic books currently is that uh they're so unappealing to kids and it's so it's hard for me to imagine kids reading comic books and not just 20 something people in plastic glasses that didn't shower this morning which is all of us uh i was gonna say you were looking at me but then i was looking at you but it's it like, was, oh wait it's both it was the, i'm just not wearing glasses but i did not shower no. this morning uh no i was talking about myself as well um uh, and, and it's a shame it's a shame that every too many comic books are, are are trying to be too bloody or too boring, and y- you know it's the the movies are the are kind of honestly doing the best stuff. The superhero movies, the Marvel universe movies, uh, some of the animated series, those are all doing better, more creative work than a lot of the actual uh, print comic books right now. Uh, in my opinion, again with again with you know with exceptions, but um, but and we'll get to uh, we'll get to the movies. Because uh, there is some interesting stuff to talk about. I feel about. like we're running out. Of Eventually, well, I'm gonna, now. I'm gonna, no, we're we're we're, we're fine. I'm gonna skip because uh, you did already mention that he did uh, join the military as a playwright was his actual title in the military. Yeah, um, we're and still th- pretty early in his Wikipedia. Yeah, well, I'm gonna. Sk- I, we don't care who he married, right? Well, as I mentioned, she was huge. She was a big part of the story. She was the one that pushed him into. Uh, into uh, so what you're saying is we do care about her. We do care just about a little her. bit. Though. Just a so little he bit. married Joan Clayton Bucock. On December fifth, nineteen forty-seven, and well, they, who cares? About yeah, when exactly. They got married. But that's her name, and um, uh, they did have some kids. One who died three days after birth, which is sad. Why did you do that? Um, <laughs> that has nothing to do why, with this. What does that have to do? Well, with it's anything, br- no, it's we're bringing drama into this the hell, into man? this story. Um, in the mid nineteen fifties, by which time the company was now generally known as Atlas Comics. Lee wrote stories in a variety of genres, including romance, westerns, humor, blah, 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 blah. But by the end of the decade, Lee had become dissatisfied with his career and considered quitting the field. So that's exactly what you're talking about. And then it goes into yeah, uh, the Marvel story. Revolution. So I'm agreeing with you. Well, what you cut you, well, out You're not there, agreeing with me. You're just reading the Wikipedia yeah. page and realizing that uh, – That you were right. <laughs> well, what you're cutting out, though, that Grant was kidding. talking about was the fact that he was going to quit and his wife said just – Write the ones you want. Write the stories. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm. And that's what became, you know, Iron Man and Fantastic Mm. Four and all the characters that we love now. It's because he was like, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to write, finally write what I wanted to write. And and um, it, this I don't know who this person is, so I'll, I'll, I'll read this because this, this is going exactly to what you guys are talking about. In the light, late 1950s, DC Comics editor Julius Schwartz revived the superhero archetype and experienced significant, significant success with its updated version of The Flash and then the Justice League of America. Yeah, this is the beginning of the yeah. Age. And in a response, publisher Martin Goodman assigned Lee to create a new superhero team. Lee's wife urged him to experiment with stories he preferred since he was planning on changing careers and had nothing to lose. So, I mean, when you have nothing to lose, I mean, you usually create some pretty cool shit because you're thinking outside the box and not constrained within. Do you know anything about Julius Schwartz? 
No, do you? Yeah, of course you do, because you're so, DC. Well, I just, I just know a lot about comic book history, I guess. Uh, yeah, Julius Schwartz is also a very interesting figure, and uh, I highly recommend uh, looking him up as well. Uh, because with no Julius Schwartz, you get no Stan Lee. Well, is there something like... It's again, it's, well, it's just, again, it's in the same way that you have Stan Lee backed against a wall, and then uh, from that desperation, you find a lot of creativity. Uh, Schwartz is a similar story where comic books in general, the entire industry, looks like it's going to just collapse. There, there's no interest in it anymore, and that's why when you go back and you look at uh, some of the stories of that were happening in comic books before uh, Marvel and before uh, Julius Schwartz. You know, you have you have Batman and Superman, right? And those are your big main uh, superheroes uh, from like the 1930s to the 1960s. And then and then and they get weird. There's a period of weirdness where comic books aren't sure what to do anymore. They had like they were dark and pulpy. Then they were big and patriotic. And then they were just weird. And people didn't seem to be interested in superheroes. Comic books, perhaps, but it was more science fiction stuff. It was war stuff. It was horror comics. Uh, it was things like that. And then superheroes looked like they were about to die until Julius Schwartz said, we're going to take the old boring Green Lantern, the old boring Flash. We're going to update them. We're going to give you the new Flash, you know, we're gonna give, which was Barry Allen. And we're going to give you the new Green Lantern, which was Hal Jordan. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to give you new spins on... Batman and Superman, and and there was and there was a huge amount of interest coming from that. Uh, both the the Flash and the Green Lantern had their biggest surges in popularity around that time, and that's why superheroes even seemed like a possible doable thing at all to a guy like Stan uh, Stanley. Uh, they wouldn't have seemed doable without. It's interesting, I guess, just the the whole history of it, and I just can't encourage you guys and just everybody to read into it uh, enough because it's interesting and it's always just. You know, just like all kinds of history, the fun thing about it is the dominoes of it. You know, with this one, with this thing not happening, you don't know that this thing would have happened. And also, it's... Nothing happens, like, in a vacuum. And that was the beginning of the idea that other people can be this superhero. Yeah. Where, you know, Alan Smith, oh, wait, he's, you know, he's not Green Lantern anymore. Someone else is. Someone else is the Flash, where it's nothing is locked in now. You can switch a character... By switching yeah. the person being them, and that's and it like opened up so much. And there was a lot of revolutionary ideas coming around right at that idea time too. Marvel justifiably gets most of the credit for the idea of a of a shared universe uh, because Marvel from day one is like a shared universe. You know, the Fantastic Four, and then Peter Parker's going over to Reed Richards to ask for advice and stuff like that. All these you had Batman and Superman and Robin teaming up before Marvel. That happened. Uh, but really, Marvel was way more thoughtful about it. But on the other side of it, with Julius Schwartz and DC Comics, you had the introduction of multiple universes, which is how they explained having two Flashes and um, and gay Green and, Lantern and two and two Green Lantern. Yeah, now they're whatever. Uh, uh, is that the new Fifty Two or something? Gay Green Lantern, or is that just no? It's in the Earth Two. Or is, oh, no, okay. He's still hiding in like the closet of a different universe. Oh, Here's right. what happened. They. The there the original Green Lantern named um, Alan uh, Smith. Uh, Alan Scott. Smithy. Alan Scott, Scott. You're right. I said Smith. You're yeah. Right. Alan Scott. He was the original Green Lantern, but he wasn't part of like the Green Lantern that now we know of, which was in like an intergalactic space mm. cop. He was a guy that found a lantern and then it worked, but it didn't work on yellow or wood. Uh, and then he was just around. And then when they created Hal Jordan, uh, they didn't know what to do with him, so he was just. 
in the periphery. They put him on like Earth 2. They started creating this multiverse so they'd be like, well, Earth 2 is where the old heroes go. So the Justice Society of America, they're on Earth 2, but the JLA, they're on Earth 1. Uh, but so they gave him like a gay son, and then eventually, uh, you know, because they just keep getting bored and whatever. Uh, and then very recently, they revamped that universe, and 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 uh, and they said Alan Scott's gay. But it was just so that they could say a major iconic character that's been around for seventy years is gay, even though he hasn't really been around. And and uh, now that we all. know all this, we'll continue to not read Green Lantern. But. Well, you wouldn't even be able to read him in Green Lantern. He's not, he doesn't appear in the Green Lantern comic book. Uh, it seriously was just, a, oh, yeah, this guy's gay now. Yeah. Um, going back to Julius Schwartz, and, and we talked about this once, um, uh, it, that they haven't made a Nobody movie about that. It doesn't matter. Should I? you point at me. That, uh, the cool thing about Julius Schwartz and Stan Lee and all this interesting stuff is that there should be – you know, someone should make a biopic. They definitely should. There is recently more and more there's been more things written about. There's been just more interest, I think, maybe, uh, in the origins of comic books. I, one of the reasons that I feel like I'm pretty well-versed in this stuff is I read this great book that I can't recommend enough called Super Gods. By Grant, it's by Grant Morrison, who I think is just the best comic book writer since. I totally agree. Did you mention guys. what Grant Morrison does? What, what, did what he, comic books yeah. he's done? Sure. Uh, Grant Morrison has written mainstream uh, stuff. Like he's done, he's he's still writing one of the best Batman runs that's ever happened. He wrote the be- He wrote a Superman story that has made me and everybody that's ever read it realize, oh wait, Superman, who I always thought was boring, is amazingly cool, which is All Star Superman. He made his big mark uh, on independent comics like The Invisibles, uh, We Three, uh, uh, Animal Man. He's written, I think, maybe some Marvel stuff, but really he's been independent. In he has. Game. I'm trying to remember. He wrote a pretty big Marvel book, but I can't remember what Yeah, it I can't. And I can't look very it up. Very informative. I can't look up the Wikipedia. You have a phone. He's just, he's, for, for most of the time, he's been, like, DC guy for whatever reason or independent, but his stuff's brilliant. And he released a, it's, like, half autobiography, half, like, a history of the comic book industry and superheroes and their creators. It's called Super Gods. Uh, and he talks a lot about Stanley. and he talks a lot about Julius Schwartz, and he talks a lot about uh, all these different things in addition to how it affected him as a kid. And um, it's just, you know, it's so interesting. You're right. There should be a biopic about it. I totally agree. There should be more and more. And I think probably we're getting there, especially as it seems like superheroes uh, like rock and roll. They're not. It's not going away. People keep saying, oh, when's the – superhero movie boom gonna end well it doesn't seem like it's going to it may stick around it's gonna stick around for as long as people can be innovative about it uh it's gonna get super boring if now after having such amazing movies like the avengers and the dark knight trilogy if um if we, if it's just again like oh here's one superhero versus one super villain boring who cares i keep saying to all my friends we've seen the avengers now and we can't go back so the next thing that needs to happen is like iron man and hulk in a road movie, <laughs> doing like Midnight Run. How cool would that be? So cool. Do all sorts of movies like that. So I want to just go and smack everybody. I, I have a feeling that you know it might not go to that extent. Maybe, but the fact that would, like the Avengers has made 1.4 billion worldwide so far, they think they know if they don't have a great story. I, I mean, it's gonna that. it's gonna <laughs> make no, that's not true they know that. no, but the Avengers was so good, and if they want to make another 1.4 billion dollars and not 600 million dollars it's probably going to be 
pretty good. I don't, well, I don't think. I don't think so. Well, I think that I think, I, maybe I, think, I have a little more hope. Yeah. I have a little more hope You're for. Silly. Well, You're oh, a silly well, goose. just Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, all these. Yeah, new well, films, but to me, they're th- so fun. That they they are very fun, but I think to the development people, they're looking at that and saying, "Well, it's all about franchises." These I don't. I, do, I think that, which is not what I want necessarily. I don't want franchises. I don't need. I honestly don't need a Captain America sequel. They're, I don't. It need doesn't matter if you need it because the thing is, they're going to make it no matter what. That but now that's the question is no. But here's the thing: if they, the the reason that these movies are all so good to me, and not necessarily why they made so much money. Is the humor and 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 the um the, the camaraderie? It's just they're funny films. It's they get the mm. joke. Um, the writers are kind of in on this superhero jokey world, and they just make it fun. And I think if they continue to do that, because it's they're not taking themselves seriously, is the thing. Well, Once they start taking themselves seriously, then that's why you that's why you cast Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Right. That's why you make these casting choices that you know. But you know, you know, if you uh, there's a balance to it um, because if it's too, I honestly just came from watching the Adam West 1966 Batman movie, which I think is great and awesome, and I think a lot of people don't know how to appreciate it, but it's awesome. But there is the delicate balance between this always happens with superheroes. With uh, if you take them too seriously. You know, then you're going too far that way, and if you're too in, doing too much winks, then what? You know, then what are we even watching here? Well, right well, now, I think right they now, but yeah, I, the I think they're fantastic. doing a great. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, I agree completely, and with both of you, the thing that uh, I've thought about a lot is why the Adam West Batman is still so great and so much so much fun to watch. Is it was campy when it started. Yeah. It's, they weren't like we're going to set out to make the best. Batman TV right. show. We can't. It was camp, and that's kind of what the Avengers is. Not that campy, yeah. but they know that they're putting in a sense of humor to yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And and the, and, Bat- and the Batman Adam West was never. It was never a parody of Batman. It was pretty literally what comic books were like at that time. Uh, but you know, but they, but with, but with a film of irony, with like with with irony over top of it. Like there 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 are def- there's obvious jokes in there, but it's not I wouldn't classify it as a, a parody. No, not at all. And that and that came in the same way that I'm almost interested in seeing what happens next with the superhero movies. The the reason the Adam West Batman series came into existence was there was the nineteen forties Batman serials. So these were old film series and they were those were taking themselves somewhat seriously. It was like Batman and Robin versus Dracula, but they were low budget and they looked like garbage and their and the ears on the Batman costume were <laughs> floppy and they looked stupid and they looked just totally ridiculous. And so then you had like hipsters of the era, um, you know, like Andy Warhol type people doing these big parties in, in Hollywood and they would watch these 1940 serials and they would make fun they would do like mystery science theater to it they'd like make fun of it and they'd dress up and you know there's you have pictures of like nico and Andy. they're like dressed up in the costumes and then people went to these parties and they wanted to develop something like that that was like a fun goofy you know they are superheroes and you get the same fun out of a superhero story but also it's it's goofy and you're kind of making fun of it but it's not it's like this specific kind of um uh, I, I wish there was a better word for it. I don't. I can't think of it because it's not a parody and it's not totally straight. No, either. it's camp. Yeah, it's I'm, it's camp. Yeah, because camp's not parody. It's just very fun. Yeah, it's and camp. bright. And the thing, uh, kind of like uh, to go back a little bit to what you were saying about uh, just the future 
of all this, the thing I'm really excited about is one of two things I think is going to happen with the Marvel movie. Because they're now in a place where, okay, people like this. People like that we put all these people together. We put some characters in that not a lot of people uh, know about. As much as I love Hawkeye, and I think Hawkeye is a pretty well-known character. He's not huge. He's no Captain America and Black Widow and all that. And what they're doing now with that door being open is, okay, now we're going to start making some uh, movies of characters that nobody knows and are a little out there. Like they announced they're making the Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. which include a giant tree and a <laughs> talking mm-hmm. raccoon. raccoon and Ant-Man. And I think this is amazing. Well, and Ant-Man's it, getting his own movie. Right. But, and, but they're making, in Captain America 2, he's going to team up with the Falcon. And the thing, what's going to happen next after all these movies is one of two things. Either they're going to realize, okay, this was too much. Let's scale it back. People aren't responding to it as well as we wanted them to or people are going to love it and then it's going to open the door to even more what else can we get away with what more can we bring and i think that can be a really good era and i think that's kind of like what stanley did was i have nothing else to lose and that's what well and and the shared universe thing is so I, i think they're finding that people who don't read comic books can still respond to the same things that comic book readers do. Like, the same thing excites both worlds uh, in the same way that it's so exciting when you're reading a comic book and Reed Richards and Spider-Man uh, are hanging out, you know, or all the Avengers uh, are hanging out. And I, I want to see more of that stuff in the Marvel. Like, it's it, you can't... I'm glad to hear that they're having team-up in the next Captain America. That makes me a little more excited about it than I was when I was assuming that it was just going to be Captain America versus villain. Right. Like, well, that's cares? what they're. It's We're exactly. We can't do that anymore. And besides, comic books aren't always just villain, hero, love interest. The end. It's not just there. They do more stuff. They do in, more interesting things like that in the comics. And I want to see more of that. And you know, to I don't want to keep going back to Batman because we're talking about Stan Lee, but just in the sense of like it is sort of the most popular superhero. Uh, but like they, at this point now, eventually they'll do more Batman movies. And what they've gotten so much mileage out of it in the Batman comics is a lot of the Batman family stuff. Get the sidekicks, sidekicks back in there. There's a way to do it without making it seem totally stupid. So do it. Uh, right. And and if you and if they can do Ant Man, that's so exciting to me yeah. to be able to just do stuff that's not a name brand. Yeah. Uh, well, that's just interesting on its own. I, and do you have one last thing? Because I want to yeah, go back to something that I find more interesting. Just exactly what you said is with the Captain America sequel. It's not. Captain America versus villain B, Captain America versus villain C. And that's what, you know, a lot of the downfalls were like Superman Returns real quick was let's switch this and switch this and switch this. But it's still Superman versus Lex Luthor. Right. And the coolest thing about the event, like the least cool thing about the Avengers was the villain. Like it was and it was nice that it was just Loki. It was great. But because the the coolest stuff about it was the heroes and them hanging out and, and all of that stuff. It was like. They were just like, oh, yeah, and there's an alien invasion. And it, it was, was about just there the for them to punch. Yeah. It was all a big extension of the f- previous films, which is good. Yeah. They didn't want to introduce too many new people, and it was just like one big but like they, watch them all together, a, and it's one big If they had given more film. screen time to the villain, it would have been a worse movie. So I'm glad that they didn't. One thing I want to go back to, because uh, this is all, you know, I love the movie. Oh, yeah, Wikipedia. Stuff, but, yeah, well, no, it's because it, we're getting to the Jack Kirby part, which, which I found mo- most interesting uh, of what Grant was saying earlier on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm going to skip this, skip this. Let me, uh, I'm going to read these two paragraphs and then you t- give me your opinion on these. 
Um, cause one is, uh, what he created, which is actually pretty interesting. The first superhero group Lee and artist Jack Kirby created was the Fantastic Four. Uh, the team's immediate popularity led Lee and Marvel's illustrators to produce a cavalcade of new titles with Kirby. Primarily Lee created the Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, and the X-Men with Bill Everett, Daredevil, and with Steve Ditko, Dr. Strange, and Marvel's most successful character, Spider-Man. Um, all whom lived in a thoroughly shared universe, but this is interesting to me because it, it, this makes Stanley seem a little better than than what it than what you might have been uh, insinuating sure. with Jack Kirby. Stanley's Marvel Revolution extended beyond the characters and storylines to the way in which comic books engaged the readership and built a sense of community be fa- between fans and creators. Lee introduced the practice of including a credit panel on the splash page of each story, naming not just the writer and penciler, but also the anchor and letterer. Uh, and then also regular news about Marvel staff members and upcoming storylines. Um, so th- that seems like he was trying to get people more involved when it comes to the staff. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I'm. Uh, it, th- we're reading a Wikipedia page, so Correct. there's more to this story. Uh, it, and I don't. I didn't. Well, I didn't, that's the I don't know the whole thing. I know. And I think even if I'm sure they they must mention if you keep reading it, but they leave on bad terms, Kirby and Lee, and they leave over money. Uh, Kirby, Kirby doesn't just say, well, good work. I'm glad that we created this, all this, these iconic characters together. I'll see you later. Uh, they leave bitterly, uh, and Kirby defects, you know, we should all read more on Jack Kirby. There's definitely, there's definitely, as I recall, animosity in this story between the two. I'm trying well, to, I'm trying to see if there's anything about but that, but it's, it's interesting like if the they yeah. leave it out, they probably would. Well, it's just a little bit like the whole Ed Norton Hulk Thing with the Avengers, where Ed Norton is saying, "Oh, uh, I wanted to do it. They didn't want me to do the Avengers." And Marvel is saying, "Ed Norton wanted way too much money, and when we said no to that, he said no." It's one of those things where, yes, we all think Marvel's probably correct in this. Ed Norton probably wanted too much money, but we can never really know what happened whereas it might be the same thing we don't I mean, Stan- really know yeah. stanley what could happened. believe that he didn't do anything wrong and jack kirby can believe that he did right you know we we, we don't know i'm not saying you're wrong and i'm not saying you know stanley yeah. may have screwed uh jack kirby over i'm not that's why someone should make a freaking biopic right they should and if you're out there listening you're gonna make it i should play stanley okay thank you very much let's uh let's hope that never happens but i want uh, throughout the 1960s least scripted Art directed and edited most of Marvel series, moderated the letters pages, wrote a monthly column called Stan Soapbox, which is this is what I find interesting, and wrote endless promotional copy, often signing off with his trademark phrase Excelsior, which I did not know is also the confetti. New York State motto. Oh, it's also confetti. What's confetti? Excelsior means confetti. Does it really? Yeah, I didn't know. There's that. more to it, but that's one of its meanings, and that's obviously not the one he meant. Mm. Well, I didn't know it was the state motto of New York. That's that's kind of weird. If it means confetti. Well, it doesn't only mean <laughs> confetti. It also means, like, onward. I, I know. That's true. Whatever's true or not true, there's obviously a story there. Yeah. Because I mean, if, yeah, you, if sure. you've read it somewhere and there's articles about it, it exists. I'm well, sure there's even, even more that we the, don't know. Even recently, the Kirby estate, the kids, uh, his family, when Marvel was bought up by uh, Disney, there was a some sort of legal scuffle about... Uh, the Kirby estate not getting their share of the dues. And in general, too, it seems like the Kirby estate is a bit bitter towards how Stan Lee is viewed as 
like the creator and how Kirby was just mm. this guy that worked for him. Well, here we got some stuff here, actually. Um, to maintain his taxing workload yet still meet deadlines, he used a system that was used previously by various comic book studios. But yeah. due to Lee's success right, with it, right. became known as the Marvel Method or Marvel Style of Comic Book Creation. And so typically, Lee would brainstorm a story with the artist and then prepare a brief synopsis rather than a full script. Based on the synopsis, the artist would fill the allotted number of pages by determining and drawing the panel-to-panel storytelling. And after the artist turned in those pencil pages, Lee would write the balloons and captions and then oversee the lettering and coloring. In effect, the artists were co-plotters whose collaborative first drafts Lee built upon. And because of this system, the exact division of creative credits on Lee's comics has been disputed, especially in cases of comics drawn by Kirby and Ditko. Lee shares co-creator credit with Kirby and Ditko on, respectively, the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man feature film series. So it does say it, it does say that there's been disputes. Here's what Mark Evanier, who was Kirby's assistant in the early 1970s and later his biographer, has to say. Jack didn't have the resources or the stomach lining to fight Marvel over copyrights, character ownership, or past contractual slights that he believed he suffered. He fought to get back his pages of original art. That was the fight that he believed he could win. Mike Richardson, who created Dark Horse, talks about uh, Lee and Kirby were the Lennon and McCartney of comics, and Stan Lee became a well-known figure in pop culture, and Jack didn't. Neither were as great on their own, it's true, but Jack had decades of work that was really special. Uh, to me, there's no doubt that Jack Kirby was the truly brilliant creative genius behind the success of Marvel. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of story there, um, and there's definitely a lot of uh, stuff to uh, be read um, about both and about their partnership, which is super interesting. Again, and it's not take, I'm not the purpose of me bringing up Jack Lee or J- Jack Kirby, incidentally, is not to necessarily um, take credit away from Stanley. It's just to acknowledge the shadows of his yeah. story. And there's and more. There's more to it than just Stanley created Spider-Man. Correct. Yeah. Um, uh, we spoke a little bit about the comics code, and this is actually pretty interesting. Um, uh, in 1971, Lee indirectly helped reform the comics code. Uh, the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare had asked Lee to write a comic book story about the dangers of drugs, and Lee conceived a three-issue subplot in The Amazing Spider-Man, number 96 to 98, in which Peter Parker's best friend becomes addicted to pills. The Comics Code Authority refused to grant its seal because the stories depicted drug use. The anti-drug context was considered irrelevant, um, and then with Goodman's cooperation in and uh, confident that the original government request would give him credibility, Lee had the story published without the seal. The comics sold well, and Marvel won praise for its socially conscious efforts, and then the Comics Code Authority subsequently loosened the code to permit negative depictions of drugs, among other new freedoms. It's kind of silly. Oh, it's like we're, we're showing drugs as bad, but you can't do it because it's drugs. That, that's right. that's it's ridiculous. It's the whole but, Catch-22 yeah. But uh, that's the 70s for you, or the 60s, or whatever the hell is happening. There's obviously a lot to Stanley, and I think when it comes to Wikipedia, I'll, I'll stop there because, you know, obviously there's more to talk about than, and than just what's on paper. More interesting things, such as Jack Kirby. The fact that he's become, like, the, uh, the face. He's in every freaking Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the fun parts of Marvel films is when is Stanley going to show up? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I don't know. Does that turn him into kind of uh, a parody of himself? Like, w- what are your thoughts of that? I mean, is I don't, it, is it, is I don't he... think he's a parody. I think it's more of a mascot now. Yeah. Whereas it's oh, he's the face of Marvel. Even more so that in some of the comics, uh, Marvel comics, they would have you know Spider-Man's face in the corner on the front of the comic. 
uh, sometimes there would be Stan Lee's face, mm-hmm. where it's just like this is the face yeah. of Marvel. So it's kind of just become, oh, where's he gonna be? What's the fun thing? Kind of like a where's Waldo. I mean, he's also a playable character in uh, the Amazing Spider-Man video game. Yes, that's kind of fun. That's cool. I mean, to have your I, own comic book character. Well, I have I mean, video game character. I have in my room a Stanley action figure. And you know, I mean, this is this is always who this guy was. He was always a hustler. Uh, he was, you know, uh, he's just that kind of. He's that sort of person. You know, you read the Stanley, the early ones, and it's not like his. Well, you know, I mean, I actually have a certain affection for the way his dialogue is, but it's weird. You know, it's not great. It's not like he's not, he's not like he's an artist through and through. He's he's a producer. He's a really creative producer with great ideas and big ideas and um you know and they've been executed well you know so i mean to me it, ma- it makes sense it's just that's just sort of who he is and i think it's a fun to have him as like a mascot yeah. character well he's always been doing that there is an old fantastic four comic i think it's in the first within like the first 5 where doctor doom finds stan lee yeah. and ha- has has yeah. like tries to get him to change the fantastic four mm-hmm. yeah i think it's actually i believe it's actually lee and and kirby who go yeah, into the book they right. put on there they like travel into it and yeah and stan i forget when they started doing it but he had like a column in the back of all of the uh, marvel books well, the stan right. soapbox mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh and that where, was there for a long time. which he ended with excelsior which also means confetti well they still do it sometimes and they still yeah. have the bullpen when i first started yeah. reading comics in the 90s i remember seeing those too it's something that that's interesting that's actually coming up in September um, 15th and the 16th. Uh, it used to be called Kamikaze Expo, but now it's called Stan Lee's Kamikaze Expo, uh, which is basically the Los Angeles Comic Con. And, um, you know, so now he's got his own comic book convention, which is pretty cool. I mean, right. Well, he really is above all, no matter what happened in the past, how he got there, he's the face of comics in a way. And I'm not saying he's the authority. He's not the only person. But when you think of comics, you think of Stan Lee. No and doubt. If anybody's name should be on a comic book convention. If it's going to be, it should be Stan Lee. And, I mean, to his credit and benefit, even though Grant here has sullied his name, um, he, you know, the fact that he is a hustler is probably how he got to where he is. You know, if Jack Kirby was maybe more of a hustler, oh, it might have like been. I don't like this. I don't know. No, I don't know. I I could be wrong. I mean, Jack Kirby could just be a nice dude, and that's why he just didn't want to uh, deal with it. But you know, it takes someone uh, with that hustle ability to do what Stanley's done. I right. mean, to to be the man of comics, basically. All right. Well, I think Jack Kirby was very much happy with putting his work out there and letting his work speak for himself and making it quality. You when, speak for Jack. I do speak. Okay. I am the Jack Kirby inside all of us. <laughs> but he was uh, in the mid-2000s. His daughter found a whole bunch of his old artwork and old characters. He had tons of characters that he never did anything with. He just mm-hmm. came up with. And then she started writing comic books for the, some of those characters I think he just loved doing it, and he loved putting his stuff out there where Stan Lee was, you know, let me get myself out there. Let me build up my empire. Question for you, Grant. Um, did you – were you ecstatic and happy that The Dark Knight Rises had the biggest 2D opening? Yeah. 
Because the Avengers had a Stan bigger... Lee had a great cameo in the Dark Knight. Yeah, he was really great as yeah. Bane. Yeah, loved his work. But the Avengers had a bigger opening, but it had three day sales. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, oh, it's like Avengers was bigger. But, dude, the Dark Knight did not have 3D, which is great. I hate 3D. Well, especially with, and I don't really want to get into it. Obviously, we don't. Yes, but there was a... with the controversy... To really bounce back from that. Well, there's no controversy. Not con- I don't mean controversy, guy but the shot tragedy. And there's a huge tragedy. With the tragedy. And they actually still... stopped worldwide openings right. in respect for it, which is totally understandable. But yeah, it's 3D, gonna... 3D is a huge thing. 3D is uh, a lot of BS, uh, you know, um, and it inflates the numbers. And Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 expen- it's more expensive. And 3D I think, I think expensive. there's more buzz about the Dark Knight Rises than there even was about the Avengers. Did you like it better? Yeah. Okay, how about you, Daniel? Uh, no, like but, player. but, he, well, here's my reasoning. It's I love, DC debate. I love the Dark Knight Rises. Mm. I thought it was so well done and I loved it. But when I think about future viewing, the Avengers is more fun. And that's what I'm looking for in more of a future viewing. However, story-wise, character-wise, Dark Knight Rises was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, they're both really good. I mean, they're yeah, both. Yeah, it's hard to. You can't really compare the two, even though they're. Co- if you boil yeah. it down to comic book movies, you can compare the two. Yeah. But if you get a dark action versus a light action comedy. Yeah, yeah it's it, yeah. It's like saying which which is better, Die Hard or Liar Liar. Well, they're. They're both great. They're both nice 90s movies that I enjoyed a lot. <laughs> uh, um. Okay, so. <laughs> in 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 uh, conclusion, apparently Liar Liar is Grant's favorite film. <laughs> I don't know why that was the first one. I have no mind. idea either. <laughs> well, it does have the claw. Yeah, you are I was afraid just of to the think claw. of a comedy from the nineties, and that was the first one that came to mind. Um, it, it, no matter what, it doesn't matter if the Avengers or Dark Knight Rises is better. They're all really good films, and, and it's, they don't it's compare great. to Liar Liar. It's great that that's the quality of stuff that's com- that's coming out now, and not the original Fantastic Four film that never made it to theaters. But um, it didn't make it to the VHS that I own. Exactly. So, you know, when it comes down to it, everybody wins because DC and Marvel are actually doing good stuff when it comes to film. Getting a genre that not everybody in the world is into, for them to all love it and see it, is a great thing. Nerd has become cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I guess we have to end with that. Thanks yes. a lot, Daniel. Okay, so You're you can welcome. find Grant uh, on Twitter at GrantPa. GrantPa. Uh, um it. and and he has a weekly comedy show at the Little Modern Theater in Hollywood, um, which you can find at Ham Clown. Yep, both on Twitter. Both on Twitter, and then Daniel also hosts a show called the Eleventh Hour, uh, an improvised show at the Little Modern Theater as well on Thursdays. And if you mention uh, Wikipedia Brown, you can get him for free. You can always get in for free. Oh, it's a free it's show. A free show. Um, <laughs> um. But if you mention Wikipedia Brown, you will get free beer and water, which is also. Always free. Always it's a free. pretty good deal. Yeah. Same, same deal for Ham Clown. You can mention it, but you're still getting in for free. <laughs> so thank you, guys. Uh, it was thank fun. You. I think yeah, people thanks. know a little more about Stan Lee and yeah. the fact that apparently a horrible person. Well. No, no. We, we still love Stan Lee. according to Ham Clown. We still love Stan Lee. And, and it, seriously, they, if they don't make a biopic about that whole, that whole deal, it's just ridiculous. Darn Daniel they might. Well, he's 90. He's going to be 90 freaking years old this year. So right. maybe when he dies, that's what they're waiting for. Maybe well, I think he, they really should make it and have the story of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. But I don't think he should have a hand in it because it should be, you know, I would even love it to be an unauthorized story. 
We'll see. Someone should make the freaking story is the point. Yeah, I'll do Thanks it. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.